The Colorado Business Roundtable unapologetically tells the story that business is a force for good in our community, featuring conversations with thought leaders from academia, business, community, and government. Welcome to A Seat at the Table with Debbie Brown. Well, welcome to this episode of A Seat at the Table with Colorado Business Roundtable, where we bring together executives and leaders within academia, business, community, and government to talk about uh, opportunity, public policy, and lots of different topics um, that are of interest to our partners at Colorado Business Roundtable. And today I'm very excited to introduce everyone to Josh Miller with Verizon. Um, Josh, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you, Debbie. Thanks so much for having me today. You bet. And I'm especially excited because Verizon's a new partner for Cobert and you're somebody I'm getting to know. And before we jump into some of the questions about Verizon and the important work that you do here in Colorado, tell us more about you. What's your story? How did you end up at this seat at the table, so to speak, today? Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, my name is Josh Miller, and I serve as the manager of community engagement for Colorado and Kansas for Verizon. I'm a fifth-generation Denverite, so I have uh, really seen the evolution of our state over the last 30 years um, go from kind of a cow town to what it is now. Uh, not many people have that fifth generation status. So no, after they don't, I'm thinking of a few people that they love saying that, like a JJ Ament, or I, I, mm-hmm. there's a few people that pop into mind that there's sort of a competition. Who's been here the longest? Absolutely. I think um, because we have so much pride in where we live. I knew I wanted to live the rest of my life in Colorado. So when I came time to graduate high school, I said, this is probably my my window of opportunity to go see a little bit of the world. And uh, I did. I went to the University of Vermont, where I majored in political science and history. Uh, a lot happened my first year of college there. Bernie Sanders got elected to the United States Senate. Barack Obama came to our campus as a freshman senator, and it was like a five-mile long line to get in. And so uh, that was one of my first real immersions into the adult world out of living in my parents' neighborhood and, and seeing you know, all, all that political happenings going on. And then once I graduated from uh, UVM, I drove down to Washington, D.C. I think we're getting a little bit of a theme here that I was very into politics, and <laughs> I... <laughs> I uh, I interned for Senator Sanders as well, and during my summer col- my summer breaks from college, I interned for Senator Ken Salazar, who then went on to the cabinet, is now our ambassador to Mexico, and his brother, Congressman John Salazar. Uh, so I was ready to to hit the ground running and and try to get a job on Capitol Hill. I did a brief stint after my internship with Speaker Pelosi in her office during her first time as Speaker. Then I did another brief stint in Congresswoman Gabby Gifford's office from Tucson, Arizona. That was uh, an awakening because later she uh, had an assassination attempt on her. Uh, And at such a young age to see a member of Congress that you really looked up to and and just such a leader for our country have that horrible thing happen to her, that helped transition me a little bit from young adult into more adulthood because, I mean, that that was just some pretty serious and sad stuff. I remember when that happened. Um, That was tough. And it's interesting, Josh, you have such the... um, you've worked with such powerful leaders. That's so interesting. It's not like a senator I've never heard of, right? You've worked with some of the ones who are the prominent leaders in the Democrat Party, which I'm sure was um, really, really interesting to be in that situation, especially at the beginning of your career, 
Mm-hmm. What's interesting about the Gabby about Gabby Giffords is um, at the time I was actually working for a congressman, and I we saw that happening in the news. And it was interesting. I was getting ready to go to an event and my kids were stunned. They're like, oh my gosh, but mom, the staff person died. Gabby Giffords had a horrible, tragic accident to her, but they were equating me to the staff person who died. And maybe well, I you think put we, yourself yeah. in that shoes too. Like, oh my gosh, this, is, this isn't just divisive rhetoric. These are lives on the line. Absolutely. And, you know, I think we've all been to events or rallies or, you know, political gatherings where we've seen an elected official and they have a staff member with them. And that's pretty traditional uh, in the United States. And I thought the exact same thing, Debbie. I thought, oh my God, I'm standing you know, right next to these very important people. And it's just been, been increasingly dangerous with you know, the rhetoric over the last few years. But you know, after, after all of that went down, I decided to move home from Washington, DC, back to Denver, uh, lived in my parents' basement for a little bit uh, while I figured things out. Joined Carol Boygan's campaign for mayor of Denver. She uh, did not make it to the runoff. She endorsed Michael Hancock. I went and that's how I met Councilman Hancock, who turned into Mayor Hancock. And I worked on his his campaign. I did a brief stint in the Colorado General Assembly. I was political director for Congresswoman get for a few years out here. And then I uh, was a consultant at Web Group International, which is a government affairs and campaign firm uh, run by our first black mayor of Denver, Mayor Wellington Webb. After all of that, I went and was the deputy director of Mike Bloomberg's campaign for president, which was pretty short lived. And then I found this job for Verizon, where I started on day one of the Colorado shutdown order for the uh when the pandemic hit so oh my gosh it's been I didn't quite realize a that career. was the right timing yeah that's almost as good as you know i started for with covert i think two months before covid before covid yeah. hit took over the helm and it's such odd timing empathize but, yeah yeah absolutely yeah. it was just crazy well we're excited to obviously have you back in colorado where you belong but i love that you you had that experience in dc definitely the swamp is kind of next level politics in terms of what's happening on the federal level and then having your expertise you know at all those different levels of government now working for verizon and doing what you do within the community and um within with the community engagement within the region is very exciting. Yeah, and I love it. And it is definitely more rewarding doing this kind of work in the, the place where you're from and, and have a lot of pride in. Absolutely. Tell us more about that. I know that you're definitely working on such important things around corporate social responsibility, um, DE&I efforts within Verizon. Tell us more about how Verizon is making a difference in that in that arena. Yeah, well, thank you for that question. I'll I'll start with uh, informing our listeners uh, today that our corporate social responsibility at Verizon is broken into three pillars. Uh, One pillar is digital inclusion. The second pillar is climate change and sustainability. And the third pillar is human prosperity. So with digital inclusion, that's including the world and the digital ethos, you know, everything from training our senior citizens how to use iPads to, uh, you know, teaching our youngsters, our, our, our newest people in school how to use technology so they can compete on a global level. 
our climate change and sustainability pillar has everything from, you know, how we rethink our products to be more environmentally friendly to how we package them up in our stores, how our stores are powered. And so we have a huge initiative around that front. We also have a big tree planting initiative across the country, which I think is pretty unique to uh, a corporation of, of our size. And then the third pillar, which is a little bit more broad, is human prosperity. And within that, we prioritize helping the veterans community, the LGBTQ community, advancing social and racial justice, workforce development, and domestic violence, mental health. And so we're really proud of those three pillars. We believe that you know, that aligns with our company, which I think a lot of people think we just stop at cell phones, but we identify too as a tech company and all those groups really, really align with our mission. So that's, that's where we are on CSR. Yeah, I love that. And I, I think it's so interesting, as you know, we represent a lot of large employers like Verizon within our public policy work here at Cobert. And every, and every company has a little bit of a different I think vision, different flavor, if you will, on on where they want to make a difference in the community. What was it like for you coming in? Um, and then we'll get to kind of what Verizon's traditionally known for in a minute. But what was it like for you coming in in your position, as you said, kind of day one of the shutdown, and then you're responsible for some of these these really big issues for Verizon in terms of community engagement and how you um, work within the internal culture. What was that like during the pandemic? Well, I think I knew coming in with the parameters of this job were and and what it should look like. And then, you know, the night before I start, the company called me. Um, I actually thought maybe I wasn't going to be starting with Verizon anymore, but they said, no, 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 you're still working from uh, with us, but you're going to have to do it from home. And do you have, you know, your own cell phone and a laptop until we can send you one, which came very quickly. Um, but I was lucky enough to have internal colleagues who spent a lot of time over Zoom, just like we all did, training me on the values of our company, educating me on what we do and what we believe in. I think that collegiality really helped, you know, cement my place here at Verizon. I mean, there wasn't the ability to go knock, you know, on someone's office, knock on their door or have a water cooler conversation. And so what I found also funny is that we were scheduling water cooler conversations just to catch up. So, um, you know, that that was interesting, but I had several years experience working in the Colorado community, both, you know, with business, civics, politics. And so it was to really just bring my expertise to the table and do this kind of blind like we all were. We were all in the same boat at the time. And and so uh, that made yeah, it a little it's easier. Funny, it's funny you mentioned that, Josh, because I remember having happy hours on Zoom because I'm such an extreme extrovert. I couldn't hardly stand it that I couldn't yes. see and so, you know, it was basically bring your martini or your glass of wine at, you know, 4.30 or 5. We're doing a Zoom call. And I mean, I'm just so glad those days are over. Yes. But that was how we had to connect back in the day, back in the 2020 dark times. Yeah. And I think a real question for me arose during this time, which was Verizon was just in the middle of expanding its community engagement program, which is housed in our public policy and government affairs department. And you know, the, the West Coast and East Coast were staffed up before the pandemic and they had moved inward. And I had several colleagues in several states who started with me on that same day. And the question that I had was, well, we're building this department. So if we build it, will they come? Meaning if we build this in the virtual, is it going to translate back into the physical when COVID calms down? Which at that time 
we did not know when COVID was going to calm down. And it really did take almost two and a half years to, to, to feel, I think, the normality we felt in 2019, right? And it was true. You know, all these webinars, all these panels, all these Zoom conversations did pay off because I think people understood the effort that we were making during this time. And you did have to go a little bit above and beyond to get a hold of people and, and track people down. It wasn't seeing them at a business event or a networking event. And, and then, you know, we work with so many elected officials and community leaders that I think they understood the good faith and goodwill that we were trying to bring to the table, even in a virtual element. So, you know, that was pretty successful, the, the transition back over. Yeah. It took probably some additional creativity, you know, almost like a double rollout, you know, between that. I know that um, our organization has had to do that as well. So businesses obviously provide uh, employees opportunity, benefits, career pathways. We're seeing that we're seeing really cool work in that front, the speed of innovation within the private sector, tax revenue, products and services. We haven't even started talking about all the products and services Verizon offers, but it sounds like your main role is is that business is a force for good peace in what you're launching in terms of the engagement strategy. So um, I just want to commend you on that and all the good work you're doing on, on that piece of business as a force for good for Verizon. Yeah. And, and I think we really do align uh, with Cobert on that. So we have a saying here at Verizon that uh, if we're going to build a network, we need to build the network that's best for everyone. And that comes, I think, from our stakeholder process here at the company. We have four stakeholders. We have the customer, we have the employee, we have the shareholder, and we have society. And I'll just touch a little bit on the society part, because I'm not sure you see that at, at all corporations across the board. We issue out grants from our Verizon Foundation and from Verizon that are programmatic in nature or sponsorship in nature. We tend to help around workforce development, STEM education. We like to help out neighborhood associations. We like to join business advocacy groups like yours. Because I think, you know, it is really the age-old saying that there is strength in numbers. We can't just do this alone. We have to be a community player, you know, where we're operating. I don't think it's enough for any business just to operate in a community. You have to give back to the community in some fashion. And I think you see across the board that all these corporations that specialize in something, whether it's being an outdoor retailer or the travel industry, will find community groups that align with their business mission. And that does become a force for good in the community. And so we're really proud of all the community work that, that we do here in Colorado and across the country. Um, but I think a lot of that just stems from the internal recognition we have to identify society as a stakeholder. Yeah, very good. And that's part of the purpose of a corporation that the National Business Roundtable, you know, said so clearly, I think just a couple of years ago, that's really taken taken on its own life as well. Let's go back a little bit, Josh, to kind of a different tact. Um, one of the things we work on with Cobert, as you know, is kind of back to your roots, the public policy side. Mm -hmm. Definitely your point of collaboration is so well taken. When we provide a table and try to bring together academia, business, community, and government, and collaborate together and convene together on issues that are important to Colorado, Colorado's economic vitality, we find that we're much stronger. It's not the private sector telling everybody what to do. It's not the government being top down. It's really a collaboration of all of us. When you think about public policy that's popping up 
Um, and I know the, again, COVID was such a crazy time, um, lots of infrastructure money being spent to try to make sure people had specifically technology and broadband so they could live and work um, as they as they needed to. But what are the public policy issues perhaps that are top of mind for you in terms of, you know, and I don't know if that's something that Verizon has top of mind, public policy issues here in Colorado that are of concern or that are, that are things that you guys are kind of keeping your eye on? I think broadband is one of those issues, expanding broadband, expanding 5G, expanding people's access uh, to those services. Right now, some of the recovery money that came out of COVID that the FCC received, uh, they created a new program called the Affordable Connectivity Program. And this is a program where if, if you qualify, uh, you can get discounted broadband services for about $30 a month. You can qualify via your income. Uh, if you're a veteran, if you're on scholarship, if you're on a Pell Grant, there's more information at the FCC website but we have partnered with the FCC to try to enroll individuals and families in a program like this to help provide more access to broad. I love that because because I think one of the things COVID did was show, you know, to some degree, it was a peek under the covers to see, you know, what's really happening in terms of access. You know, how do we make sure people have the access they need, especially when kids are not able to learn in classrooms where perhaps there was coverage. Now they've got to make sure we have it at home. Um, and really make sure that's covered in, in lots mm -hmm. of places in Colorado. Absolutely. And I think that the pandemic revealed a lot of disparities and connectivity was one of those. I mean, one day we were all out being able to go to offices, public libraries, places where you can get Wi-Fi. And then one day we were all told to stay at home. And a lot of people don't have access to that. So and it plays into work and education. So, you know, we've tried to become a partner in the community to provide more access to individuals where we can. Perfect. Well, we'd love to help spread the word on that as well. And before I jump into the lightning round, which I sure. gave you some um, heads up on, is there anything else you want to share with us about Verizon and what you all are working on? Uh, what's top of mind for you kind of closing out 2022? You know, I just want to highlight that I think Verizon is a pretty amazing company to work for. I think they are ahead of the gamut on a lot of different issues. But just internally here at the company, a few things I, I like to highlight. We have a wonderful employee resource group system. These are places where you can feel represented and feel acknowledged. I'm part of PRISM, which is our LGBTQ ERG. And the, the ERGs, for instance, PRISM will do everything from having a bingo virtual happy hour event to influence the company on some of our own HR policies or events that are in the LGBTQ community that the company should acknowledge. That's quite the influence. We have a group for, for women, for uh, African-Americans, Latino, veterans. I think that is, is one real amazing thing that Verizon does. With our benefit packages, you know, not many companies cover the full spectrum of LGBTQ healthcare, but we do. We cover uh, same-sex benefits for your same-sex partner. If you decide that, that you would like to transition, Verizon will assist you uh, with your transition um, between genders. You don't see that uh, across the board a lot. And so we really are an inclusive company. We, I think, put our money where our mouth is when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so I wanted to highlight some of those great facts for our, our viewers today. 
Yeah, appreciate that so much. Um, that is good to know. I think what I love about the private sector is the speed of innovation, how competition spurs employers to come up with things that will attract and retain talent. And it's Absolutely. not always what you expect, but it's it's an interesting um, thing that I think our country has that's that's very unique in the way that we look at our free enterprise system. So appreciate you sharing that, Josh. Okay, now it's time for the lightning round. This okay. is new, so we'll see how you do. All right. All right. Favorite powerhouse lunch or happy hour? I think Hillstone in Cherry Creek is a good power lunch spot. And the tip is parking is easy, Hillstone. It, yeah, well, it can be. Actually, their parking lot just got bought next door. So oh, that might not be the case anymore, but that's good that's point. Denver for you. Yeah, that is. Okay. Best way to relax. Best way to relax. I mean, I, I will never say no to a good vacation um, with some sun and ocean, but uh, that's not every week of the year. So, you know, I'm open to uh, doing Netflix. I, I like to read books on my e-reader and I do exercise a lot as a way to just kind of relax and disconnect for an hour. Nice, nice. Well, that might have honed in on the next question was best favorite binge. Binge could be podcast, book, uh, Netflix or whatever. You know, sometimes I actually just kind of like to chill on the couch and read my e-reader while I have a Netflix show kind of playing in the background. I just, I don't know. I find that relaxing. I'm not on my phone and I'm, I'm a little disconnected. Final question for you. Best business advice you've received to help you get a seat at the table. Yeah, I always share this. Years ago, I had several mentors tell me you have to be your authentic self in life. If you start hiding who you are or, or, or hiding, you know, your way of life from, from folks, you might not be taken seriously. And when you present your authentic self to the world, I think the world is more accepting of that. And, uh, and that helps with confidence, it helps with motivation, and it helps with determination. Yeah, well said. I think I learned that lesson later in life, but it's one that I've embraced as well. So yeah. I want to thank Josh Miller with Verizon for being on our show today called A Seat at the Table with Colorado Business Roundtable. And we hope to see you back at the next podcast. Thanks so much, everybody, for joining us. A Seat at the Table with Debbie Brown is a production of the Colorado Business Roundtable. You can find this episode, a listing of our upcoming events, and more information about our organization at cobrt.com.